0: Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Epic Meta Podcast. George, how's it going?
1: It's going well. How are you?
0: Good, good. Uh, Fairly uh, relaxed. I don't have a busy schedule like you are, but uh, pretty good. So this episode, we're covering uh, the War and Peace with Leo Tolstoy's, Continuing our... um, I guess journey through the book. We're covering for the uh, for for the listeners. We're covering the audiobook versions that we link in the uh, description. It's gonna be from this audio book only. Uh, the way they indicate their chapters, chapter twenty to chapter thirty six. So in regards to the real book, uh, you know, we're just gonna have to guesstimate where the story leads. And you probably, I guess, if you were a fan. Uh, then you would know where things are and where the story leads to.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure that all the written versions have the same chapter breaks.
0: Oh, okay. So yeah. I'm not,
1: I'm not sure about that. In, in yeah. Comes.
0: Cool. So do you want me to do a quick summary of my impression or where do you yeah. want to start?
1: Yeah, why don't you do that?
0: So we spent... Uh, we, we cross over to what is called book two uh, I think even in the written version and the multitude of uh, audio, audio audio versions out there you know they go by Tolstoy's original written work which he he, he has certain uh, I wouldn't say chapters in his book but it's like book two uh, is where they're beginning to go to the war um, but from chapter 20 to where we are now in audio version that we listened to, we spent a significant amount of time with uh, – now I have to look up his name. We cover all these characters. Uh, it's Andrews uh, Andre. I forgot his last name now. Um,
1: uh, in, in some versions, it's Andrew. and some versions, it's Andre. Uh, <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> his, his last name is Bolkonski.
0: Yes, Uh, So we spent a significant amount of time at the Bolkonski's his father's estate. Uh, Basically, he delivered his wife uh, so she can stay there while he's going to war. And it took, so two weekends ago, or I don't know, whenever I I was listening to this, I was raking leaves in my yard, which I have to do again at some point. Um, It took a lot of time. And I listened to this podcast and I was just livid but because i was raking leaves i had some uh you know uh i guess energy distraction where i'm focusing my energy on but it was a, a huge drag to me um so i guess i'm curious if you enjoy that portion because i find um i find all of it irrelevant and, and nonsensical but uh <laughs> I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of warm Peace yet, so maybe for a fan, you know they they have a different take on it.
1: Well, we've got a long way to go, so you can <laughs> cultivate that fandom um, there's plenty okay. of time um, so okay, that was what you described um at the Volcon- volkan estate is a portion of of uh, what we read in chapters twenty one through thirty six. um mm. but there's a very important scene that happens in the beginning that you're overlooking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this is, um, when Count Bezukhov or Bezukhov, uh, dies, Pierre's father. And yes, yes. And Anna, I forgot about that. And Mikhailovna helps him to, uh, get his father's will from mm-hmm. his sister and Prince Vasily who are trying Mm. to take the will because they know the will leaves everything to Pierre. And if 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 there isn't a will, then Prince Vasily would would inherit because he's the next closest male heir, I guess.
0: Yes. Um, Yeah. I totally missed that.
1: So that wasn't I found that portion to be kind of exciting because it was Pierre's. So let me just set the scene. Um, Pierre is at a party at the Rostov estate, um, mm-hmm. when we left off last time. And the people, um, at that party receive word that, that, uh, Count Bazukov, Pierre's father, is about to die. He's been on his deathbed for a while, but, um, he's like entering the, the final stages. So Pierre goes back over to his father's house. Uh, with anna mi Mikoli- Mikolovna Miklo- Miklo- who is Boris's mother I believe her last name is trubinsky but um so Pierre doesn't really know what's going on at the time he doesn't really know that his inheritance is at stake or he doesn't seem to fully appreciate it mm-hmm. um, he's kind of an intellectual guy and uh Kind of a philosophical guy, and his head is in the clouds, and he's not really fully appreciating what everyone else's motives are and and and, and what's at stake. But Anna Mikhailovna does understand this, and she's taken it upon herself to advocate for Pierre. Um, I guess partly so she can, so he can help her out, but. Yeah, but I'm not entirely sure that's her complete motivation. I, I think she wants, she, she has compassion for Pierre and wants him to, <laughs> to succeed. So she takes him over to his father's house. And, um, so there's a lot, there's a, a few scenes where the father's dying. There's priests there. There's like almost all of Moscow society is there. And, um, they're just they're waiting for him to die. Pierre's sisters are also there. And all of Pierre's sisters, uh, for some reason, don't like Pierre very much, Pro- probably because they resent the fact that he will inherit it. Um, so at the same time, Prince Vasily is there, and Prince Vasily is talking to one of Pierre's sisters, and they're plotting to, to snatch the will so that Pierre can't get it and, and inherit it. But, uh, Anna Mich- 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 Mikhailovna, uh, ends up grabbing the will out of Pierre's sister's hands. And that secures, uh, Pierre's inheritance. And the, the whole time Pierre really doesn't, is awkward and doesn't really understand what's going on. So, yeah. okay. So there was a lot of tension in, in, in those scenes. Did you feel that tension or, or? Uh, yeah
0: i feel i feel so from a from from a novel perspective uh he's like a bumbling idiot i mean you're being so kind call him innocent or whatever but i think he's worse than naive he just and and second to that so this is somewhat like so from my understanding tolstoy is kind of semi recounting his real life uh versus like just a straight up novel and i feel like i'm reading someone's um, I guess journal entries to their psychiatrist or personal journal because it's just so terrible and uh, like the way it's written, it just a hundred percent off of any novel I've ever read about any of this. Because typically, <laughs> typically, if you have a dynasty and somebody's dying, leaving a bunch of fortunes, that typically is a plan. So when I feel all this tension when I'm reading it, and all I can do is, um. I don't want to say hate <laughs> because that's a really strong word, but I feel both uh, bad for Pierre and at the same time anger at Pierre because he's so completely like clueless. And then his father, I feel that if you're a powerful, rich, like oligarch, and you're about to leave something in your will, uh, uh, in your will for somebody that's basically go against all the plans of all the people around you. I would think you would be smarter. Uh, let's assume he's powerful, but not smart. I, which I don't know how how that would work in this novel. Uh, assuming he is smart, I thought he would have a better plan. Like you, you typically don't leave things hanging or uh, just you know hope for the best kind of thing. Uh, oligarchs usually have plans, even when they die. It, it usually get executed the way they want it to be. So I'm somewhat confused, and at the same time, I'm like. Am I reading a novel? I'm reading a psychiatrist journal or like a personal blog. It's just so bad. Uh, I have no idea what's going on sometimes because I just, I just feel like, can we just get through this? Because get to the real story. Because <laughs> this is still build up, um, and I, he wastes a lot of time describing all this tension, and it's just like a lot of personalities. Like it's a lot of personality when, when I'm reading something. Uh, Even the whole time, I'm like, can you just move on to, you know, like we know, we have some sense um, of who's getting it. But he he spent a lot of time with characters dialogue about, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Maybe it's not written for me. Maybe people that like (laughs) social drama (laughs) because all the back and forth kills me. But uh, yeah, but that's what I felt. I don't know if I answered your question.
1: I don't know that I asked a question. Yeah, you did. Uh, it was so long ago I can't remember. Um, okay, I have, what a couple, you... I have a couple of reactions to that.
0: Sure, sure, sure. Um, Please.
1: Okay, so obviously this this novel was written in a different age for mm-hmm. a different type of audience than you know people who have certainly grown up More. since since the advent of the uh,
0: electricity and internet.
1: <laughs> well specifically i was going to say um smartphones mm-hmm. you know I, I think there's there's an issue here with attention span yep <laughs> that um comes into play
0: but i don't think so like like would you think that somebody who enjoys pride and prejudice would enjoy this novel
1: i haven't read pride and prejudice but i i would yeah i would think so
0: I mean, yeah. all the multitudes of novels out there that are a very similar tone to this. Uh, and I haven't read Pride and Prejudice* either. I've just seen it uh, in TV, <laughs> like in pieces. And uh, <laughs> I mean, that's fair. But let's assume because I, I would imagine trying to read something like Pride and Prejudice*, I'll probably be angry and uh, upset as well, uh, along with this reading this. But besides from that, let's just talk about the character, Pierre. Yeah, hold on. You know,
1: I, I didn't finish my, my reactions to your Yes. Statement.
0: Yes. Keep going. <laughs>
1: um, okay. So it's written from a different historical perspective, different audience. Um, now, Russian novels in particular, Russian novels in particular um, delve deeply into the psychology of the characters. I, I'm not sure what what that what the reason for that is. Um, it, it it's got to be something particular to the Russian psychology, the Russian soul. Um, but but that's very important to Russian authors is is delving into the minds of the characters and and their subtle motivations and and all of that. Is um, that
0: is have you? Uh, witnessed that or have you seen it in other novels and stories or is yeah, that like I, a known thing
1: yeah so i see it in tolstoy i see it in dostoevsky i've read a few novels by dostoevsky um so um there's the brothers karamazov um uh, which has sent- so it's just similar yeah, it's just in how that it, it delves into the psychology of the characters um crime and punishment is another one um also mm. by dostoevsky um, so, th- I think those are the only three Russian novels I've read, actually. So I've read *The Brothers Karamazov*, mm-hmm. uh, Pre- *Crime and Punishment*, and, and *War and Peace*. And all of them share a similar, uh,
0: yeah, style kind of
1: strategy. Yeah, style. Um, also, y- you spoke about the the will, and you know, you would think that an oligarch would have mm-hmm. his. Um, Affairs in order at the time of his death. Uh, okay. Two things. Um, I mean, I think that that's a, a legitimate point. Uh, although I do think he did have his affairs in order. Like he, he petitioned the emperor to have Pierre legitimized and he had his will mm-hmm. changed. Um, he might have done it, uh, with not a lot of time to spare. Although I don't mm-hmm. know how quickly this illness came upon him where he, he, he had, a, he had some strokes and, basically mm. couldn't, couldn't speak or do anything um and i don't know if you know his feelings towards pierre changed um towards the end of his life i just we just don't know what was going. a lot of
0: the circumstance yeah. yeah fair enough yeah any more reaction?
1: <laughs> that's my reaction to your like two seconds yeah. ago
0: and and while you know it wasn't uh, while i was uh contemplating all this i i understand the material because the the version the audiobook versions you know we selected i i i chose it particular because of this the the voice acting or the narrating uh is is very good and it gives me i guess uh some sense of clues as to who's talking and who's doing what and it and it pierces into like you said their their backgrounds and their personality and motivations as well which which helps but i guess the Uh, communication style you know it just not uh it's very hard for me to bridge the gap between modern sense of novel versus you know like for for example shakespeare right if i if i i would have a tough time enjoying shakespeare um if not for mandatory readings and whatnot it just we don't communicate like that anymore so part of that is target audience and then just you know um you know language and poetry you know it's very hard to bridge that gap but regardless even if it's modern stuff the characters they're just so um you know see-through i don't typically if you're a bad character you try to hide it and i feel like during the whole process of will negotiation or trying to steal the will the will it's just very apparent um to the reader and maybe he did that on purpose but he spent a lot of time uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with that scene and i'm just like i got it man i got it who the bad guys are and i just like move, move on but he well it's he does not it doesn't it's not
1: about just retelling the action i mean he he wants to talk about how pierre is so awkward in that like i can i can totally relate to pierre in that situation mm-hmm. there's all these forces going on around him that are guiding his yeah. destiny and he's trying to appear like uh know as best he can and people are sort of laughing at him and you know he feels feels ashamed (laughs) you know he's a
0: he's a fish out of water he's out of his depths yeah this is not his world
1: and i I have to touch on this point that um we touched on the last time is that Mm -hmm. i really would like you (laughs) to (laughs) release your your resistance um somewhat it feels mm-hmm. like you're resistant to I mean, we got a long way to go to,
0: so. yeah, there's no way to release my resistance because every page or every minute I hear is a struggle to to listen to more. So it's not like I am doing it like you know, with my will. It just happens. It's like mm-hmm. eating you something you don't like. you just don't like it. <laughs>
1: there's okay, no way, but, but you're making an effort to to eat it,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I used to not like tomatoes as a kid, right? Like, I hate it the way it feels. But mm-hmm. as an adult, I, I can eat it. Like, you put it into a burger or whatever, I'll eat it. You know, salad. I'm okay. Uh, I don't just bite into it like a fruit, but uh, I can deal with it. So, in, in that sense, it's, you know, it's, I'm hoping to get to the point and I think it's slowly, by the time of wartime, it's somewhat, uh, I wouldn't say engaging, but at least I'm curious more about what's going on. It's just mm-hmm. the way he paint the picture there's a lot to uh, to process, and it's like watching. You haven't seen Game of Thrones, right?
1: No, I have, and I've read You have. Know.
0: Okay, so it's like Game of Thrones without mm-hmm. dragons or blood or magic or any action. It's just all the background <laughs> drama. So it's like if you take Game of Thrones and take all the dragons and magic away and all the fighting and it's just people talking, I would I would lose my mind. I would never watch that show. Uh, And this is so far what it feels like. There's like no like compelling, mysterious stuff or like anything to move the story forward. It's just like a lot of like building and I'm still building. uh, So I'm getting through it. Uh, So, yeah, I totally forgot that part because to me it was very i think like it happened very quickly i think it's just one night and what's the worst part to me is the the lady Bora's mom
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh uni- i think it's like i forgot her name but Anna, uh,
1: Mick, Anna, Mick, 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 Mick-
0: yeah which means she, Anna, i feel
1: Anna, the daughter of michael
0: she she uh i feel bad for her not in a sense of like bad like feeling uh compassion but <laughs> i feel like she wasted her political uh power or energy that night even though she did something good for Pierre, it's like it's probably not going to pay you back at all i think it's <laughs> the investment in peer is, is a bad call
1: well yeah. and she's undercutting prince vasily who who granted her the yeah. favor she asked prince vasily yeah. to, to grant him the grant a uh, boris her son favor yep. to get a good appointment in the army and he did that yeah. for her and now here she is <laughs> undercutting him by by making sure pierre gets the will so yeah, that's interesting this, don't you think
0: it is uh i feel like she's doing the long game so if this was like a political game like like you know like like a senate or, or any other political stuff in in game of thrones it's like i don't know if this is a good bet because um mainly it sounds good, but Pierre is not that kind of uh, political player who's gonna help her out in the long term. I, I think she made a bad investment in it, in her choice, but uh, that's that's all I felt. Cause like they kind of don't mention her like after that funeral or uh, the will scene. Uh, so far with the story storyline, it hasn't. Uh, you know karma hasn't bit her back yet so
1: mm-hmm.
0: i'm curious down the road how uh vasili is going to remember this night and uh, remember what she did to him uh, as far as that's concerned
1: yeah and that whole Kuragin family prince Vasily, um his son hippolyte and anatole um i don't know if you've caught on to it but they're kind of painted out to be despicable people and conniving and, yep. and just yeah. In some so.
0: ways, I like them better because I can actually <laughs> understand. <laughs> I can actually understand them. Like mm-hmm. uh, in Game of Thrones, there's that conniving guy, uh, the Coin Master, Littlefinger. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually like Littlefinger because he plays multiple side. He's smart and he has zero power. He has no magic. He has no dragons. He has no uh, family lineage to anything. Uh, so he's just being an annoying little person because <laughs> that's how you got to do it. And I like him better because now in this one, Vasily, he is kind of a prince um and and I, I think like when I'm when I'm reading this, I feel like him and the woman who's on his side, I forgot her name too. Um I feel like their time is kind of over.
1: Um, You're talking about Anna Peplovna? Peplovna,
0: yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel like their time is over and they're struggling to hold on, which
1: yeah whenever i read they're of that older generation that count Bezukhov is a yeah part of, and count and um count Polkonsky.
0: yeah it's very desperate or
1: prince uh, principal sorry.
0: yeah it's desperate and it's just like ah your time is over uh it's time for the next generation so whenever i see that it just i don't know uh very hard for me to cheer for them, but I, at least I, I understand them straight out why they're doing what they're doing. So
1: now I have a question that I don't think you'll be able to answer, but I want to put it out there. Um, so Count uh, Bazukov, Pierre's father, has a bunch of daughters, mm-hmm. and when Prince Vasily is talking to one of the daughters, she's referred to as Princess, not Countess. Um, and I'm wondering why that is, but i'm just yep. throwing it out there you know there's, nope. there's didn't, lots even, didn't of details. even notice it there's lots of details yeah. here and there that you know i question but it's like there's so much going on that it's mm-hmm. i can't answer every single question I have.
0: yeah sometimes i'm wondering like maybe this would be better if i actually you know read uh russian like understand russian and read it in the original um version because mm-hmm. i wonder if there's anything that's mistranslated or we're, we're lost here especially with the culture and like the way they they you know reference certain things um especially from not that time frame i'm definitely not the target audience
1: but yeah, I, if, I agree i mean i, I yeah. hear i've heard that the russian language is is way more nuanced than english mm-hmm. is in terms of talking about psychology and and motivation mm-hmm. and, and other things and um and I I heard that on Lex Friedman's podcast, and he, he's Russian. Yeah, so,
0: so. yeah, um, you're.
1: But, but hold on. Um, what was I going to say? You always derail me, and then I, I lose my train of thought. <laughs> you have to take, take notes. I have notes. But to your either. point,
0: while you're thinking oh, about, oh, what...
1: Here, here's what I want to yep. say. Um, yes, I agree. There's no doubt that we're probably lose, losing something in the English translation of the Russian. However, I think that a lot of the Russian personality does come through in the English mm-hmm. translations. I mean, these Russian novels, even when translated into English, read like no other novels. Mm. I think. Yep. And, and it's not only the psychology, but it's also, there's like a poetic, uh, spirit to the, to the language as well. Mm,
0: yeah, um, I know you're not a fan of probably, well, you're probably not a fan of anime, uh, which is Japanese cartoons. I don't know if you watch any of those.
1: Uh, some. Sort OK, of.
0: so if you so different from the movies anime, which is like an hour and a half, you know, like like just a movie and has an end. Like if you watch any of the show animes, um, I, I, I put I it's not fair for me to put them all into one thing. Uh, but they have a tendency to do internal monologues like a lot, like a lot of psychology, even during like an action sequence. Like for example, the very famous uh, kid TV show, Dragon Ball Z, which is like an action anime. Um, while they do something, they they talk for, for like hours, it feels like before they fight <laughs> just to share the character's internal monologue of what they're thinking. And this is a tendency that I'm feeling like when I'm reading this book, it's just like I you know, just get to it, dude. like I'm not uh, an idiot. You, you know? <laughs> I don't know who you're writing to, but I get it. um, and it he takes a lot of time uh, with uh, the character's dialogue and it's it's dry too. So I really doubt that in the original uh, Russian, if I understand the context and read it, it'll be as dry as the the version, you know any of the versions uh, in English that we're reading because I would sense these characters are way smarter and like more devilish i don't know i don't know how to describe it but in game of thrones you know when someone says something it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that you you always suspect that they have an ulterior motive like they're trying to do something else in the background but here through a book format it's just like you know all, all i can take is is all i can get um and i can't tell if there's some other plan or not no there's no whispering kind of thing uh where, where you catch somebody doing something some schemes uh but yeah so far that's what i got
1: well i don't know i mean i i i think we do see subtle motivations in in anna mikhailovna i have a hard time yeah. mikhailovna uh when she she's playing prince vasily for the favor for her son and then and then she's undercutting him with the, with the will i mean there's something yeah. going on there it's... What
0: I don't get is, you know, were they just going to hide the will from everybody, from the public forever? Is that how they're going to – I don't get how they were going to – if they get a hold of the will, were they not going to show it to anybody? Cause, I, th-
1: I think know... they would have destroyed it.
0: Mm. And then they say everything. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, that that part I was curious about because, you know, I don't know what they were trying to do, but um, that would make sense for him to just inherit it straight up and said there was no will. But the fact that everybody knows it will and seen it, which I guess the helps with Boris's mom, kind of did that. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that scene I guess was crucial in regards to Pierre's uh, future, um, mm-hmm. and then everything else that follows. But, yeah.
1: So okay. So we learn that Pierre has in fact inherited the fortune um, in in subsequent scenes. Um, so after that scene, we move on to the Bolkonsky estate called Bald Hills. It's in the countryside. Mm. Um, Prince Bolkonsky is an old man. Um, and he's, cut, he's very anal, anal retentive, and he yep. makes everything very regimented. And, um, <laughs> he and he gets angry with people who sort of <laughs> who violate his his regiments. But everyone's so afraid of him that no one will. Uh he has a daughter uh named Mary, who is Andrew's sister. And Mary lives with him and she's afraid of him. And he has her day Mm. all scheduled out. He has like geometry lessons for her and algebra, you know, (laughs) from from like such and such time to such and such time. And then and then she has to practice the clavichord, and (laughs) you know, while he takes a nap, his afternoon nap, and and then they eat dinner and so, uh, Mary yeah. has a, there's a woman living in the house who's sort of Mary's friend, but it's evident that there's a little bit of tension there, uh, named Madame Bourrienne or Mad- Mademoiselle Bourienne. Um, it's unclear exactly why she's living with them, uh, except that, um, is she, she a she, housemaid or
0: she is a friend? I don't get it. She's a
1: friend. She somehow was. Was Penny was a pauper or penniless? Maybe she has, uh, um, you know, a noble background. I don't know. But uh, they took her in, and okay. I don't think we know much more than that. Other than that, and she, yeah. she's, I mean, my sense of it is that Principal Konski, the father, wanted her around to sort of be a a friend of Mary. Or, yeah. Or, or maybe even to spy on her. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of strange. Um, but, uh, so Mary's afraid of, of Prince Konsky, And then we see that she gets a letter from Julie Kuragin. Mm-hmm. And in, in that letter, uh, Julie talks about how, uh, Nicholas Rostov has gone off to the front, um, to, to fight in the war. Um, she talks about the death of count Bukhansk, uh bazukov and how pierre inherited the fortune and also that her brother Anatole Kuragin is uh, her her father prince vasily wants to wants anatole and mary to get married mm-hmm. um so he's a possible suitor of hers um and then mary before you Le- go Yep, yeah keep me going.
0: i was gonna say in this in this universe or in this world do females go get to go to college or is that like a no-no because it you know mary is homeschooled. i i have no so far we don't know any other females i mean they obviously learn somewhere but uh do they get to go to college like a normal person or no
1: <laughs> i don't know my sense of it is and i don't know this for a fact but mostly just males go to go college off to yeah. university um, but there's a lot of homeschooling that's going on. I mean, I think it's a pretty common practice for the nobility to have homeschool two years, teach their okay. children.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so Mary replies, <laughs> so there's a scene where Mary's reading this letter from Julian and she re- writes her own letter in response. Um, we find out that Mary's religious um, and that her father is kind of disdainful of religion um
0: that i like about him at least
1: <laughs> uh, he
0: reminds me of like a lot of the like my dad but at the same time i i don't know just like why did he why did tolstoy spend so much time talking about the communication between uh mary and i forgot uh, julie because it's just like dude just holy crap <laughs> they were just so all. <laughs> Well, because a,
1: in the letters, I feel like there was
0: pages versus pages upon pages of this stuff, and I'm like, get to it, man, what's the point? Uh, but I guess you, it's all like know, internal feelings. The uh, the point that I'm is going through.
1: that the, the characters' um, personalities are revealed through the, these exchanges, and we also learn information. Um, mm-hmm. so I mean, we we learned about Anatole being a potential suitor, we we learned that. Uh Mary learns of Count Bazukov's death. Um, yeah. And we learn that Nicholas went off to the front. Um, so in Mary's reply, we learn that Mary's is religious. <laughs> uh, we learn that Mary is fond of Pierre. So they all know each other. Um, uh, we find out that Prince uh Prince uh Bolkonsky, her father, received a letter from Prince Vasily talking about. Mm. The possible marriage between Anatole and Mary. Um, we are, we also learned that Andrew and Lisa will be arriving soon at Bald Hills. Um, and also, oh, she's, and she also mentions that she saw conscripts going, going to the war. So you, last time you asked, um, you know, how does the army work in terms of Mm
0: -hmm. officers
1: and enlisted men? It, It looks like, all the enlisted soldiers are conscripted from the, the, the poorer classes. Yep. But the nobility have the choice as to whether to serve as an officer. And I think um, yep. a lot of them do serve in that capacity because they, they feel it's an honor to do so, but they're not forced to do it. so. Okay. Um, so that's, the, that's that scene with the letters um then then the prince is taking his afternoon nap and mary is playing the clavicorn and, and andrew and lisa arrive um
0: why do you think we spent so much time with this prince or count um i mean it's like a significant amount of chapters i thought it'll be over sooner but it was a lot like is he gonna be you know a, a significant character later on in the book at all Uh, Because I feel like the book is more about the next generation and the older generation. is just annoying um, and probably eventually die. I mean, they're pretty old Mm -hmm. about that time. Mm -hmm. But we spent a lot of time understanding him. And I'm just like, does he even have any power? Like, what's the point? Um, Yeah, well, he
1: he writes a letter of recommendation to to the general um, for his son. Yeah. Yeah, for Andrew and gets Andrew a, a high position basically as an aide to, to General Katuza. So we know that yep. Prince um Volkonsky, uh knew General katuza from earlier times. I think I think Prince Bolkonsky was w- was a high-level military officer at one point.
0: Mm. Yeah. He has a lot of like opinions about the war and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So we, we spent a a few minutes on that too. Uh, And then basically it just, to me, it just, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're recounting the chapters and then basically there's just a, not a a lot of time about his Andrew's wife uh, dealing with the fact that he's going to war. Uh, We saw a lot of that too. Yeah. Um, So
1: Andrew and Lisa are not, um, happy together. And Andrew is feeling like his life has no purpose. And that's why he wants to go out to war. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, the reason why he's at bald Hills is to drop up his, his heavily pregnant wife so mm-hmm. that she can stay with his father and sister. So he can go fight in the war. Yep. And she, she's, she puts on a brave face, but we we find out that behind the scenes she's crying and and, and talking yep. <laughs> to Mary talking to Mary and she's a society woman you know, so she's used to living in in, in Petersburg and yeah super uh,
0: comfort and now it's like the countryside it's less comfort but um, one one other I guess context is is, is like a lot of context that I need uh, to appreciate this 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 mm-hmm. world um, let's say I'm a servant in one of these houses right. And I like do something massive, like mistakes. Do they have the authority or power to like literally chop off my head, or no? They just get to fire me. Like what? What would be the the rule of law? Yeah, and it would be like a legal thing, like a slave.
1: Um. So okay, there's different classes of people. This is how I understand it. Um, Mm -hmm. There's free people, right, and then there's serfs who are tied to the land. So if you mm-hmm. buy it, if you sell your property, the yep. serfs are sold along with it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yep. Right. Now
1: they're not exactly slaves, serfs, but but they don't have a lot of freedom either.
0: Right. But can they get killed?
1: So my sense of it is that if a noble kills a serf, they'll probably mm-hmm. get away with it. There, there probably yeah. won't be any, any legal recourse against them. Yeah. And if the reverse happens, if a serf kills a noble, they will be in serious trouble.
0: Yeah. So uh, you you figure executions and stuff, public execution, not just not just uh, you know you go to jail kind of thing. It's it's like no, your life is over, uh, you know, kind of thing.
1: Yeah, but but there's also, I mean, okay, so this is a different time, um, and these estates are run like a like a family almost
0: like a small kingdom like yeah. feudal times yeah yeah so that's why i'm thinking
1: i think the so the the prince or the count who owns the estate has feels like he has uh responsibility for those people that live on the estate so yeah he has almost, almost like, any it's like a father continue. figure almost um
0: them. Well, I, I'm thinking like, you know, feudal time between like the British and Scotland and all that stuff where it's like feudal lords where they have, you know, pretty much 100% independent authority until like, uh you know, king, like a king arrived. And yeah, but uh, they can definitely execute you if you like do something they don't like. Uh, so pretty much it's, it's, straight to, <laughs> it's straight to the hangar or like whatever way to execute you.
1: But it's not like that. I mean... Um yeah they have the authority to do that probably um but I, my sense is that that doesn't happen very often it's it's not like see this is one of the differences between a liberal society and, and one of these old um you know societies that um are pre-liberal in that okay there's less freedom to operate as a you know an individual when you, especially when you're lower down in the hierarchy, but there's also all these connection, these connections of responsibility and family mm-hmm. that that um, tie people together. And in a liberal society, all those ties are broken, and everyone's pretty much like a, a free, independent operator. And free so agent, there's yeah. there's less. Um, I think there's less compassion. In certain, well, my, to a certain my point extent, is, in a, in a liberal society, and, and I think a person would be more apt to to kill someone underneath them in a liberal society because they don't have these ties binding them together.
0: Well, no, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not trying to understand the, the different society. I'm trying to understand what it is, and the reason Tolstoy spent so much time describing this father character is because each of them basically have an uh, independent authority to run how their uh they want their state to run mm-hmm. and so we spend a lot of time on his personality and everybody's afraid of him because frankly he does have the power to execute you should he deem that is you know uh correct so but,
1: but my sense of it is that everyone's afraid of him not be necessarily because he has that power but because he's just the force of his personality is so intimidating
0: but you can't like leave so let's say you don't like working for him. You can't technically like, you know, like I quit. There's no quitting in this universe. Um, you're just there forever. So you're just kind of stuck. Um, and then for somebody like Mary in that culture, yeah, you're that <laughs> that is your life, you know, forever. Uh, basically homeschool forever until you get married off. There's no, uh, there's nothing, no other choice. So frankly, this leather, wow, I find it exhausting is really her uh window to the world. It's basically her internet connection. She doesn't have anything else. It's it's your friends you grew up with and you you corresponds with them. And that's you know that's it. Um there's no like wandering off and like I'm gonna just you know go to St. Petersburg and hang out for two weeks. Unless you're a male, then yeah, you can do whatever you want. But in this world you're no, you can't do that. So she we spent a lot of time on this letter because frankly that's That's how she takes in on the world. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And the whole time we just spent on this dad character and um, basically uh, Andrew's dropping off his wife. But but that's all I got uh, from from this in regards to just the whole process. And I found, yeah, I'm I'm hoping that he, uh, you know, the dad character uh, eventually comes back into the book at some point because it just feels like, yeah, we'll see more a, a, of them. We feel like a big investment for no no reason. Uh, so <laughs> this is what I'm saying. You don't
1: trust Tolstoy to tell you the story. No.
0: Why would I trust anyone for any reason? Even when I read uh, Tom and Sawyer by Mark Twain. Let me see if I got that right. Is it Mark Twain?
1: Yeah, but it's Tom uh, Sawyer, yeah. not Tom. Tom James. Sawyer.
0: <laughs> I I just don't get it. Like I'm I'm waiting, you know, for for like a point to be made, and it's just like. There's are some stories or novels that just it was not written for me. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's, it is a struggle, but I'm, I'm trying. So if every time
1: can, I you can grow to appreciate. Do you I'm want trying to, to really correlate.
0: Appreciate? I don't know uh, if I could speak or learn Russian, I would probably appreciate it more. So this this makes me care more about Napoleon than like I ever care about Napoleon. Because I'm waiting to get to Napoleon, and I'm just like hoping that we actually get to see Napoleon. Uh, at this point, all these characters are just, uh, just, just like the court in Game of Thrones with all the people that have no power, and it's just like scheming for any, you know. And it's just like, dude, you don't own any magic, you don't own any. Dra- Why do you even bother to scheme? You're no one, and this, this, this what feels like all the background characters—they're gonna die. <laughs> and I spent so much time with them, and I'm just waiting. Like, please tell me one of these people is going to well, do something.
1: Okay, you know? so it's not only important to know um, Prince Polonsky for his own sake, for his own personality, but you also have learned the influence he's had on other characters, principally mm-hmm. Mary and, and Andrew. You know, and how he's shapes their their personalities and those are main players in the book as well so
0: yeah
1: i, I mean it,
0: i'm not gonna just hard. tell me the investment is worth my time and then you know i'll I keep on reading
1: okay do you trust me
0: no you- <laughs> i trust you 70 percent so, well, you know, we have, I mean, this is a really long book. So, of course, I have I have my doubts. But at the same time, it's like, you know, what do I know? We're, we're barely, barely through, you know, the, the beginning. So there's a lot for me to redeem my chances as far as, you know, Tolstoy keeping me in the loop. But just because it's a significant novel that was written some times ago doesn't mean I care about it any more than any other piece of literature. Uh, some I connect with and some I don't, right? So it's not like... It's not like some you tell somebody, Hey, Shakespeare is the best, you should read it all the time. And then somebody else will feel that way. You know, I as a as a reader you have to understand that your piece of work or novel is gonna be in this, you know, library of humanity, right? And and, and at some point, yes, it's education, but it's also entertainment. And you have to you know, the thing with entertainment and art is that it can be really good to somebody and then Somebody else can just call it a piece of, piece of shit, POS, and you know that's fair because it's art. Uh, it's up to the, I guess, art viewer to interpret that. Now, that said, the majority of people like Tolstoy. Yeah, then I'm I'm probably missing out on you know what what Tolstoy is trying to say. But we're not there yet, so I'm um, I feel like eventually I will get what he's trying to say. If that okay. if that makes any sense,
1: <laughs> makes sense, and I'm happy to hear you say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, we I mean, have got our work cut out for us.
0: I mean, you've been through museums of art where you're just looking at some painting, you're like, "Why is that even here?" But I'm not an art curator. I don't have a degree in art, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering, I'm hoping and wonder that maybe society's art, uh, art curators of you know that museum is seeing something I I, I don't see, and that's fine, you know. Just okay. because I don't see it as doesn't mean it's not a good piece of art. So, so. so
1: three three things. Mm-hmm. One, uh Tolstoy has stood the test of time. This novel has <laughs> been um, almost unanimously yeah. considered to be the best novel ever written by literary, <laughs> you know, people in the know. Uh two, I've read it twice. Mm-hmm. This is my third time, and um I highly recommend it. <laughs> and and i've i've gotten value out of
0: it. i i and, congratulate and free, you for reading free, it a third time
1: you chose to do this project yes, i did for our podcast yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well this right here is entertainment for you know our listeners so i'm mm-hmm. i'm willing to take the sacrifice uh for our listeners to to go through this slog fest but uh i'm I'm hoping i'm wrong too right like i'm i'm more than happy to be proven wrong because if if this is famous it gotta be famous for a reason um so there are many things out there i don't get yeah so very excited but But continue on okay yeah is there anything else you want to cover with this dropping off the the pregnant wife scene
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) so there's scene but you know there's a couple other scenes where they eat dinner uh, you know, the, the father's very regimented. He enters the room at a specific time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we all have to behave in a certain way. Yeah. I find that he's, he's pretty disdainful. Like he, at first he's pleasant to Lisa, but, um, we can, she starts talking to him. Like at first she's afraid <laughs> and then she starts talking. Uh-huh. And then we slowly see that yeah. the prince become annoyed with her and he just turns from her and starts <laughs> talking to someone else. To some,
0: to some extent, I relate to him very well. Uh, so I have a lack of, you know, impatience. So I'm like, I, I understand this guy. I hate him. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, okay. If I was him, I, I'd probably be a terrible person too. Uh, he's a, he's so. a
1: mean old bastard. <laughs> um, so then Andrew prepares to leave. And uh, he has a talk with his sister. And she gives him an icon to wear. And uh, we, we see that Andrew and Mary are, are close. Um, they like each other. Uh, she tells Andrew that Lisa is unhappy. And of course, he knows that. Um, and she, she asks him to be nice to her, to, to Lisa. And, mm-hmm. um, Andrew gleans from that request that Lisa has been talking to Mary about how unhappy she's. Um, so then Andrew is preparing to leave and, um, so he goes in and talks to his father and his father's like, all right, uh, you know, <laughs> he hands him a letter from Katuzov or to Katuzov. Um, and it's funny because he, his father is writing the letter as they're speaking and Edgar comes in and it's like he wants to have this heart to heart with his father or, or at least, you know, say goodbye mm-hmm. to him and his father's like you can do that while i write i can do both at the same time (laughs) he's totally unfeeling
0: and he would love you know the vulcans if he was introduced he sounds like a character that would love logic uh,
1: but he's angry too there's anger yeah logic at the same time um (laughs) but uh and then at the end of their meeting he's like all right get out of here (laughs) he gets annoyed with andrew and and tells him to leave andrew doesn't really do anything so um we 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 get the picture of him that he's he's just this mean old angry anal retentive man who has very little patience for people and his patience can be easily expired yeah. like he'll try he'll be nice for a little bit but then he always gets annoyed um
0: yeah but in old- that way i actually relate you know but but some of those scenes i don't know if i should be should be laughing cuz some of those scenes are are supposed to be emotional but i was like I was giggling I guess in inside my head when I'm reading because well like it is yeah a little just... funny I,
1: I found I find yeah. it funny too. okay. Fair um, enough. <laughs> so okay, then Andrew has a quick goodbye to Lisa, his pregnant wife. and yeah. we can we can see that um, it's probably not the goodbye she wanted. And then Andrew leaves to go up to the front. So that's the end of book one and book two begins immediately following (laughs) it's october 1805 and we're at the we're at the front we're at the we're in the army the russian army camp at this point
0: yeah i have a hard time going through some of these chapters but yeah you go ahead you can do a recap
1: um okay so general kutuzov is is the uh is the general in chief um we see Dolikov, who um, has been busted down in the ranks. Now, the last time we saw Dolikov was at that drinking party that Pierre attended that night. Um, he was at the Kar- Anatole Karagin's home. And remember the drinking party where they uh, end up tying a police officer to a bear?
0: Yeah. Oh, Is he... A- um, I'm trying to remember. Is he? Does he have a parent figure that's also... Like higher up or he's just so a nobody?
1: He's he's a member of the nobility, but he doesn't really have any money. You know, there's lots of these no no nobles no money. Who, yeah. yeah, who have uh titles. Have titles because yep. several generations back their relatives had money, but um they've fallen out. We see like Anna Anna Mikolovna Mikul, is also one of those types that Um, has fallen out of her fortune but still kind of walks around in these circles because she has the the title um and the connections so i don't so Dolokhov is kind of a a despicable character too he was busted down in the ranks for insubordination so i guess he was an officer and now he's an enlisted man is that is that what busted in the ranks means you're an army you're a military okay um so he wants his rank back but he's he's kind of a wise ass character. Um there's Katuzov is about to arrive and he wants to inspect the troops and there's some question as to whether they should be in their parade dress or their marching dress and uh, um they get everyone in their parade dress and so then they find yep. out that, no, 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 he wants them in their marching dress, so they have to quickly change his... So we get the sense that the army is not extremely efficiently run, and there's a, yeah. there's a lot of... I, 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 was,
0: I was very annoyed reading that, because, one, that's how real army is like. It's is basically it? chaos all the time and stupidity all the time. Um, but somehow yeah, if you,
1: it's effective, you, right?
0: Well, yeah, have you ever read... Um, Oh, geez. I have, do I have it on my shelf? Uh,
1: Please don't tell me you're thinking of the book I'm thinking
0: of. Something... Uh, Catch-22. Catch yeah, Catch-22. Oh, it's exactly that. like... like Everything I hate about military is mm-hmm. in Catch-22. And the Catch-22 is like... If you did, didn't read that book, you still get it. And it's just like, why am I reading so much about this? Why does Totoys feel compelled to write this all these scenes? And I'm just yeah. like... Now,
1: I would agree with you about uh, Catch-22. Like... The joke of it was that, you know, the army's incompetent and, and mm-hmm. you know, military life is full of these contradictions, but it's like 700 pages long and it just, it's the same joke over and over <laughs> again. So, yeah. so, okay, I only read I can, it I can, once I and I, I wouldn't read it again. Yeah. Oh, I hated what? that book by the time I finished it. it
0: I, oh, yeah. It no. Well, it's... Me, I,
1: I was hoping for it to get somewhere and it never like went anywhere. It just kept... <laughs> <laughs> it kept going over that same theme over and over and over again
0: yeah i read it i think at the beginning of my army career or my little time in the army so at the point i wasn't i don't think i would enjoy reading it again unless it's like a brief brief skim through it uh yeah. but yeah i remember it could have like 100
1: it. pages long and then it would have been a totally more enjoyable book Instead i don't know 700 pages
0: <laughs> i don't remember enough to to tell you to, to uh, comment on that. But I do remember, yeah, this is what it's like. You just and, like, at some point, you just stop thinking. Yeah. And I, I think I told you on a previous podcast, on my interview, it's like, I love that because I just shut off everything that's analytical in my brain. I got a lot in trouble with, with that stuff because you basically don't ask questions. You just, just do what you're told. Um, and then all the other drama is on the officer's level. And it just, I don't understand why he wrote this scene because. Uh, unless he's wrote it for a wide audience who doesn't understand what army life is like. And I'm just like, why am I reading all this? It's like, it's exhausting to read uh, or even listen to uh, because I'm not reading it. But all the nonsensical BS, it's just over and over. And I'm like waiting for people to die. um, And I'm just not getting my action. So I'm like, cool. The army is stupid then as it's stupid now. (laughs) It's just like... (laughs) fantastic nothing is different um but i do feel bad there the one important note that that hit me or struck me the most while reading all this is that um it's almost like a foreshadow uh is that the boots are really bad quality for all these uh for all these soldiers so i don't know if that was i don't know if he did that on purpose um i don't know how this war is going to end in regards to them versus france but um like that is like a key and key piece of information that from like a strategic tactical kind of thing it's very important uh and i think a two self noticed it but he while he's like in charge he's not like the top 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 dog uh and i think he did report it to somebody but nobody cares so that's that how that's how it goes so yeah <laughs> i don't know i don't know if that stood out to you when you were reading it like i, I think like the first time or second time but um, yeah yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yep, yep. You know, it's almost like the military is this entity unto itself that sort of operates and it it's really hard to control. You know, consiusus mm-hmm. is is the general in chief, but there's so many moving parts and it's it's like he's he's yep. steering an ocean liner and it's really hard yep. to to Yeah, it's to, a
0: logi- logistical nightmare, which is like I think Why we have special units invented, you know, whenever they were invented, I'm not a military historian, but that's part of the reason why the elite forces or smaller tactical units are like so revered or Mm -hmm. uh, respected and or like, you know, you want to join those because of this craziness.
1: They cut Uh, through the the BS.
0: They cut through the BS and then they're very small and they have very uh, short, direct uh, missions. Their Mm -hmm. missions are not vague uh with the army the missions are always vague so you have a lot of confusion all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> so Imagine. yeah they, they 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 got dressed up just to what it's called basically a ready uh thing mm-hmm. it's it's basically to determine if your troops are ready and frankly it's too late at this point they're about to march mm-hmm. uh to go into war uh there's no point in i don't know there's a lot of stuff in the army and it's just like even <laughs> in the russian army you can still feel it's the same issues. They, uh, they're trying to inspect. You usually want to do that long time ago, not <laughs> at the eve of battle.
1: Well, my sense but. of it is it's kind of a morale booster or it's intended to be a morale booster. Mm-hmm. Like the officers want to look good in front of the general. and
0: you know. Yep. There's a lot of appearance stuff. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. So at the front, we see that Andrew is there. Um, we see Nicholas Rostov, who is a member of the Hussars or Hussars, which is a, a like a cavalry unit? Um, and uh, let's see, Rostov has a a someone steals a purse of money from his barracks that belongs to a, a friend of his named Denisov. And what is R- the
0: deal with all that? Like, why well, did Tolstoy write that? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it is so every single scene No, this part is particularly redundant cuz I was right. like this is so, not military related. Uh but he wrote it anyway.
1: Well, so Denisov was gambling the night before and um he lost and he owes money to somebody and the person comes to the barracks to pick up the money but Denisov can't find his his money bag. And Rostov <laughs> gets into his head that some other character stole it and Rostov uh, feels like he's honor bound to go retrieve it. And so when he goes to retrieve it, he ends up insulting a, a colonel in mm. the army. Okay. Um, and, and obviously Rostov is a cadet. Um, so is much lower rank. And so there's a bit, it's, it, it turns out it's like, even if, the colonel was responsible for the money bag being stolen. The fact that he insulted the colonel is, is a worse offense. In the US. Mm. They're saying you have to go apologize to him. and He's like, I can't do that and maintain my honor. And so there's all.
0: So, yeah. No, that's yeah. good that you going over it. Cause I was confused by all the different names. Um, you know, like I think denistov is like a new character per se. He I
1: don't is, remember. Yeah. He's a, yeah. F- so um, think of him as a, like, rostov's best friend at at the front yeah he's looking out for him and denisov is i think a professional soldier whereas uh nicholas rostov you know just joined um Mm. so so it's like denisov's career to be a soldier and Mm -hmm. i guess nicholas is just in it for the duration of the war but anyway we we start to see some action the the um the Russian army encounters some French skirmishers, um, and there's a bridge that the Russian army wants to destroy. And there's more incompetence <laughs> trying to 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 burn yeah. the bridge. Um,
0: That's where I'm at right now. So I still have to go through it. But yeah, um, so that
1: colonel who um, was ordered to fire to, to to install the flammable material on the bridge and presumably burn it. Was the same colonel that that Rostov had insulted in the previous scene. Gotcha. Uh, but the colonel was like, "I fulfilled my my orders. I placed the flammable material." And they're like, "Well, no, you gotta actually set fire to the bridge too." And he's like, "That's not what I was ordered to do." And they're like, "Come on, the French are coming. You have to burn the bridge." And so there's this gotcha. this tension between. That he eventually ends up sending people down to the bridge to to blow it up. But it's kind of late because the French are approaching, and and some some people actually get killed on the bridge, and Nicholas Rostov is, is among them, and he he kind of experiences um, I, it's not PTSD because it's he's he's in the thick of it at that time, but he talks about how his he looks at the sky and it's beautiful, you know. Meanwhile, people are being shot around him. And, and stuff, so. but he makes it out alive um, so that's i guess we can that's that's the end yeah of that's where i'm at so. right now
0: because yeah. I, I hear um when i'm listening i hear a lot like the names is, first of all is russian names so it's like very easy for me to mix it all up mm-hmm. uh, plus there's a bunch of new characters and you know with action it's like f- very hard for me to take but there, there's a mention with a lot of bridges so I think I'm in the midst of it, that scene right now. So we can cover, we can recover it. Um, uh, a second time during the next chapter or next time we, we do the podcast. Cause mm-hmm. we'll include it. Cause I, I'm, I'm trying to like put all the pieces of information while I'm, I'm reading it. So, mm-hmm. so far, like I think it's getting exciting and I want to care, but all the gambling stuff, it's just like, I don't understand why. Yeah, uh, it's just like, can we? Well, is, can we isn't get... that
1: the reality of of military life? Like, it's most mostly sitting around, and then like there's brief mo- moments of of terror.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you do a lot of uh um hurry up and wait. That's what they call it. Yeah. Uh, I'm frankly forgetting some of the stuff, but yeah, it's a lot of hurry up and wait. Even in training, uh which is almost worse, uh, you do a lot of that. Um, so and
1: I, I guess that's the nature of of large organizations like that, and, mm-hmm. you know, the directives come from on high and it takes a while for them to filter down. And when yep. they do it, it, there's trouble in the execution. And so there's a lot of like stopping and starting. Yep. And I think that's one of the, well, I know that's one of the themes that Tolstoy is trying to get at that societies and organizations um take on minds of their own and and, you know, you can mm. will something to happen, but it, to to translate that into a, a, an organization acting, there's always a filter and it, it never comes out. And, um, there's like a guiding hand in the background that sort of makes things turn out how they will, regardless of any one <laughs> individual's will. Right. Yeah. And by guiding hand, I'm not necessarily talking about God. I'm talking about just. You know there's a group think mentality that, that goes on with nations and, and armies
0: yeah i don't know if we get there yet but so far he's just talking about all this silly stuff and i feel like yeah i'm wondering how 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 long this uh war portion will last and i'm wondering if uh he can write it you know um if it gets like more heated but it's just a lot of BS right now when I'm like, what what why don't you talk about the actual war? Um and, and instead of talking about all these characters that goes nowhere. Uh <laughs> well,
1: that's what I told like, you in the beginning. You know, he zooms out and he zooms out to the big picture, he zooms into very yeah minute pictures and, and, and he weaves them together in a in a really masterful way, in my opinion. Um
0: yeah, but yeah, we're waiting.
1: heading <laughs> into we're heading into the battle of Austerlitz. It's Austerlitz. So okay. um I don't know if you want to do background research but that's a huge battle in the in the Napoleonic wars.
0: Okay. That's- yeah, I'll probably enjoy the background research more than actually listening to the book uh versions of it but
1: uh
0: <laughs> that will be exciting cuz so far like the, the sense I get is from An- Andre's uh, dad to um even some of the general not uh Kuzutov or the main, the main the main general um was he blinded? Does he have a patch over his eye or am I imagining he, things? Yeah,
1: he's blind in one eye.
0: Okay. So he actually, I would say, um, I guess respect Napoleon or understand how war definitely works. And everybody mm-hmm. else is treating this like it's a joke. Um, yeah. Like, you know, like, that. like, like, like Na- Napoleon is an idiot and, and they don't know what they're dealing with kind of thing. But they're either treating it, just it like a like-
1: joke or they're treating it as if it's some high honor um that they're like fulfilling some destiny
0: and and it's yeah it's it's just like a terrible um you're not ready like nobody's ready uh to see Poland coming and it's just like <laughs> i don't know how much of that is i don't know if Tolstoy is basically journaling or actually trying to tell a story i i don't i'm confused between the two because if he's journaling i get it uh, but if he's telling a story, it's just like all bad characters, right? So mm-hmm. I think he's he's doing both and it's just like – is exhausting to go through it to see a bunch of basically idiots. Um, and I mean from a, from a standpoint of historical, we understand Napoleon. But even even if you don't, right, even at that point, you kind of don't want to do that. That's like rule number one in warfare, right? You just kind of just assume every, all the worst stuff is going to happen and nobody here is doing that except the, the yeah. one general.
1: Well, well, you're obviously coming at it from a modern army perspective, modern military perspective. I
0: mean, you don't have to. You can just watch any war movie, or like, you know, watch anything like Sun Tzu, Art of War. You know, just watch like a normal movie, and I'll understand how like, you know, people just get messed up all the time by making a small tactical mistake. And I'm (laughs) waiting for this to happen in the story. So I'm um, I'm like I'm a feeling this is going to be really bad. Nobody <laughs> listens to this one general and everything fa- falls apart, but uh so far not yet. So um, I'm I'm kind of excited for that portion to come through. So yeah. But cool. uh pretty good. Uh yeah, so far it just you know, I'm, I'm I this is like actually getting somewhat interesting at this point. Um all the other stuff he does around it just like still painting the the picture um so very excited to see what happened next but uh and then like all the characters he covers in the war i'm hoping they also come out with actually you know being significant um but but so far just like a lot of nonsense and it just (laughs) it covers a lot of different characters somebody like dressed in the wrong uniform having attitude blah 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 it's like, dude, I don't, I don't, I don't care. Just, just move on. Uh, so, struggle to get to those part, but uh, at least he doesn't, at least he doesn't spend as much time on their, um, I guess, personality. But, but yeah, cool. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, best, best, I best we can do, I suppose, uh, for for our listeners. Keep, keep on reading with us uh, especially see i don't know i don't want to ruin somebody's first time going through this so i'm hoping well most I'm, of our listener i'm
1: giving the opposing view so i mean
0: yeah yeah thank, yeah well if they're reading it for the first time then they can just you know appreciate it too i suppose but hopefully our listeners are all like you know cool people who've read it already No, <laughs> yeah, i mean it's whoever whoever enjoys it can, and then, and then, wants you know what to to exactly you know who what's better than listening to the audiobook is listening to a podcast and then we basically sure. tell you what's going on <laughs> so it's actually even more condensed than um than reading the the book or listening to it um, yeah. so this is uh this is summation and interpretation as well
1: <laughs> i recommend
0: doing both I recommend doing both awesome cool you uh have any final thoughts
1: um well there's been a lot of activity on our uh viewership front but let's save that for a uh, a different podcast
0: yes please uh continue listening and interact with us and uh, follow us and we will continue to cover uh total story war and peace all right thank you so much have a wonderful
1: day <laughs> goodbye everyone goodbye everyone
0: hey there listeners thank you for supporting us thus far how are you currently enjoying our show please share your thoughts with us through twitter or youtube as we're a newer podcast maintaining our vitality is the utmost important to us part of that process is to be a community but most importantly is to deliver content that you enjoy so in order for us to do those things effectively please share with us your ideas and all requests and of course how you receive the show so far Perhaps we can do a follow-up conversation to a topic that we have covered uh, not in-depth enough or cover a new topic that you find interesting. As always, please like, comment, subscribe, and most importantly, share with someone that you think would also enjoy the show. And of course, as always, be good and be well. Take care.